welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name's Amy McDonald. I'm a yoga teacher, yoga student, and a yoga business coach. And I'm here to support you to share your yoga with the people in your community who really need it. So if you're an amazing yoga teacher, but you sometimes struggle with the business part of what it is that you do, you're in the right place. I hope you thoroughly enjoy everything I've got in store for you. And if you have any suggestions, questions, or ideas for future podcasts, reach out to me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Hey everybody, welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. A special hello to everybody who is listening to this on Spotify. I'm sorry, it's taken me six seasons to essentially get my shit together. But there you have it. Celebrations! Uh, we're here. You're here. I'm here. We're here. We're here. Uh, good to be here. Good to be everywhere. <laughs> all seeing, all knowing consciousness. Hey, uh, this is a bonus edition. I know, uh, I have some favorite podcasts and when they put out extras, I get very excited. So yeah, hopefully you like this bonus edition of the podcast. Uh, let me bring that in a little bit more. There we go. So I want to tell you a story today. I want to talk about You know, as I've been mentioning so far this week, yoga is just completely chock full of um, stories. And in fact, there are more stories than we realize and terms that we use regularly as teachers derive from, in oftentimes derive from characters that come out of the Puranic texts. So the texts that we, that you know that we the, the two big ones that we that we know of Ramayana and Mahabharata um, and and other you know other other I was going to say folklore but some people will find that uh, derogatory other texts of the era let's just say you know we we use these terms in how we the names of yoga asana as today we're going to be talking about yoga uh, in pranayama. Uh, we use them all the time and may not necessarily know where, in fact, those names come from, who they refer to, and what the relevance is. And this is a really easy entry point if you are looking to incorporate more story into your yoga classes, is just to, you know, start by um, picking a yoga asana that's named after somebody, uh, Hanuman Asana, you know, and, um, and, and, uh, Anjani Asana, uh, I mean, there's loads. So start there. Um, Ashtavakrasana, like I talked about earlier in the week, is oodles. Today I want to talk about um, (laughs) one of my, uh, I guess he's one of my favorites um, from the Ramayana, but actually I liked his younger brother better. But anyway, (laughs) Uh, that sounded like a dating analogy. It wasn't. Um, So today we're talking about Kumbhakarna, um, who was the brother of Ravana. So I remember early in the week we talked about Ravana. He's the dude with 10 moustaches. Thank you, everybody, who messaged me on Insta to talk to me about how I probably said the F-bomb too many times <laughs> earlier in the week. But he was into it. He was into the ladies. He was into, you know, wow, 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 wow. He was really – he was into it. Um Anyway, so we're talking about his – he had some brothers. We're going to talk about this guy, Kumbakar, Kumbakarna. Um, 
and it, you know, because who you probably a bunch of you teach um, kumbaka pranayama, right? Kumbaka pranayama. I remember the first time Noah taught taught us to teach that. I thought he said kombucha pranayama. <laughs> it's like no, Amy, that's no idea. Okay, embarrassed again. Ah, fall down, get back up. Kumbaka pranayama. So that's a breath retention practice. And it's funny, you know, I was uh, noodling around uh, getting prepared for this podcast and I thought, what's Yoga Journal got to say about um, Kumbaka pranayama? And they talk about there being two types where you pause at the top of the inhalation and where you pause at the, you know, the exhalation. There's either end of the breath cycle or either whatever you call that, your maths. Um, of the breath cycle uh, is where you pause. And this is what we teach our students, right? It's a, and you can play around with it and you can increase and decrease the retention and this, well, what do you call it? Like the square breath and all that sort of stuff that's now called breath work. Um, you know, cool. Kumbakana. Uh, but actually, <laughs> actually really, that's what we call it because that's palatable. That's nice. We can do that. You can teach that to your students and not get sued. But actually, the originally, the purpose of that pranayama practice was not to withhold a breath for the count of four, the top of the inhalation. It was to hold the breath indefinitely. Right. And if we look at the yoga starting to become something that was not just this weirdo cult out in the forest or this marauding, you know, bands of vigilantes, mercenaries that you could hire to fight for you. That's what yogis were, folks. If you didn't know that, we'll do a history class. We will. Why not? Fun. When they started to be brought into, you know, sideshows and they started to be brought to the kings to for entertainment, um, this was one of the tricks. And this is where you see the stories of like yogis being buried alive or yogis being bricked up in a confined room for and then only to be unbricked months later. Look, he's still alive. He's still breathing. It's magic. Um, that's actually what they were showing was that's breath retention, not this like breathe in for four, hold for four, breathe out for four, hold for four. I mean, that's what we teach. Like I said, please don't instruct your students to just stop breathing. As a yoga business coach, I would advise against that practice in class, unless you've got some serious insurance. No, that's a bad joke. Don't teach you. Don't teach your students to stop breathing. But actually, um, Kumbhaka Pranayama, that's where, that's where it's at. Like, I'm so powerful, I'm so connected to God, my tapas is so strong that I can just stop breathing, I can just turn it off. And, you know, we see this in, um, that's that's some time back when, when we're talking about those kinds of yogis, but we see it more recently in some of the uh, God men. If you've seen that old doco on YouTube, India's God men, um, you know, more recently where... You know, sort of in the in the cohort of folks who like to vomit up lingers, you know, hold their breath forever, slow their pulse, pull a truck with their nipples. I don't know, whatever. But all of that sort of weird shit. Still, uh, it's kind of around, so it's 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 not gone completely. Anyway, there you go. Slight aside, kumbaka pranayama. Yes, we talk about it as breath retention before inhalation or after inhalation, or vice versa. And uh, and um, classically showing your devotion, showing your tapas, 
uh, by stopping breathing altogether. That's the sort of shit that the Buddha was doing when the Buddha when when the Buddha first started at yoga before he went fuck this shit, this is not for me, <laughs> and found the middle way when he was trying to be a yogi and aesthetic out in the woods doing crazy shit and starving himself and all that. Um, you know, that's the sort of breath retention they were doing. Anyway, so so this is how we use the term now mostly. If you, you do use it uh, you, in terms of kumbhaka pranayama, um, or if you do teach some kind of breath retention practice, that is what you're teaching. This is a word that derives from the name of one of the characters from the Ramayana. And like I said, um, Kumbhakarna was Ravana's brother. He had a brother. He had two brothers. He's he, younger again to our, he, our uh, character of the day was Vibhishan who um, is, is one of my favorite characters, actually, in the whole of the Ramayana. We need more dudes like that in the world right now, but let's save that for another day. Okay, so um, some things about him. He was massive. He was incredibly strong. He was so strong, in fact, that um, like the gods were scared of him because they thought he might take them down. He had a voracious appetite, uh, i.e., everything and anything he he could just eat everything uh and and during the the battle with ram he ate a lot of monkeys a lot of monkeys uh he you know he again the gods were terrified that (laughs) he could potentially eat the entire universe that's some appetite i only get like that when i'm pmsing but he was the real deal he could eat a lot um uh, he 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 actually was a pacifist though. Despite all of that, he was a softy. He was a philosopher. He learned from the greats. He was a yoga nerd, um, and and when Ravana stole Sita uh, from from the forest, when when Lakshman and uh, and Ram were out doing their thing, um, Kumbhakarna said, "Hey, you know what, dude? That's a bad idea. You know, you should take her back. This is not going to go well." Um, but he did end up, in fact, unlike his younger brother, he did end up fighting for the, air quotes, bad guys, um, the Rakshasas. He did end up fighting for them during the epic battle because he was loyal to his family. But he, it wasn't because he wanted to fight. It was simply because, you know, my goddamn brother's got me into this mess. I'm left with no choice. But he did advise Ravana, in fact, to take Sita back. Obviously, Ravana didn't. <laughs> And and even though, he, like I said, he fought, he uh, ate a lot of monkeys, he did some bad shit during the war, um, and he was ultimately killed by Ram, uh, he he achieved moksha, he achieved liberation upon death because uh, he he switched at the very at the critical moment. <laughs> uh, you know, he chanted Ram's name, and boop, he got he got through. Uh, he made it. So he, um, you know, no coming back. Uh, Jeshri Ram, and he, you know, made it over uh, Moksha in at the point of death. So lucky him. Um, okay, but all of this is just some background to who he actually was. As you can see, if we if we take a sort of a, if we take a, a step out from a meta level for a moment, uh, we can see here that already there's so many things that you could use here for themes for life for business for class in just what we've talked about already um you know family loyalty uh being caught up in someone else's drama 
right? Um, when to step back when you've given when you've done what you know to do and when to step back. How to how to ask for forgiveness or or even the theme of redemption. You know, um, <laughs> I don't know all of you nutrition coaches. Maybe there's something to be talked about about <laughs> managing your appetite. Um, the you know, there's so many things or, or or fears that other people may have of us that we're un, un unaware of because we don't see ourselves the way other people see us. The gods were scared of this guy, but actually he would prefer to just loll around on a palaquin and, and read yoga books. <laughs> that sounds familiar. Bring me more pizza. Actually, apparently samosa. Bring me more samosa. I could do it. I could totally do it. So, so anyway, there's, there's lots in here, right? And I haven't actually even got to the part that I want to talk about, which is why do we associate breath retention with this dude? Um, is it stoke your appetite? Does it make you want to fight your brother? Does it make you want to eat monkeys? Does it make you more likely for moksha upon death? No, in fact, none of these things. The curious thing about Kumbhakarna was that he slept for six months only to awaken for a day, at which point he went back to sleep again for another six months. The dude needed to sleep a lot. The dude slept a lot. And in fact, this is, um, you know, you can tease people. Maybe India, I don't know, reach out to me if you have Indian parents or if you're Indian yourself or Indian grandma. You know, do you get teased about if you if you sleep in when you were a kid, if you were still in bed in the morning, did you get teased about um, Kumbhakarana? I want to know. Kumbhakarna, let me know. That would be fun. Uh, so anyway, he, he slept six months, awake for a day, had to go back to bed six months sleeping. So this slowed down his ability to get stuff done, as you can imagine. And in fact, when the Great War started between Ram and Ravana and the, their associated armies, he'd just gone back to sleep. He hadn't been sleeping long. So that's a whole other thing about how do you wake this guy up. And in there again um, is a whole lot of fun stories and how do you wake up this guy when it's not his time to wake up. Particularly if, is there, is, if there is such a thing as like shades of grey yoga or like BDSM yoga. <laughs> I don't know. If they, hell, every other type of yoga exists. If you can have goat yoga and lit yoga, why can't you have BDSM yoga? We have straps. Anyway, side, side, sidebar. Uh, that might be a useful story. How do you wake up a sleeping giant? Here's some ideas. Anyway, so he, so he slept a lot. So that's where we talk about breath retention because you sleep and then you pause from sleep and then you sleep and then you pause from sleep or other way around, depending on how classical you want to get. Maybe you don't breathe for six months. You take a day of breathing, you know, that, that sort of pattern. So, so how then, this is the actual story, bloody hell, Amy, you're 15 minutes in and let's get to the actual story. So the actual story I wanted to share with you today is why is it that this guy sleeps for six months only to arise for a day and then go back to sleep? What's going on there? So, um, as I alluded to earlier in the week in the Ravana episode, the Ravana and his brothers had some interesting family backstory and how they came to be and what they were meant for and um, which I'm really interested in all of that because it ties into uh, uh, one of my favourite bhajans, of course, the Hanuman Chalisa. But we won't go into that. Suffice it to say that those boys were created for a purpose, you know, like like um, 
all of those, uh, what do you call it? Like those beauty pageant moms, you know, <laughs> like you're going to be born to fulfill my dreams, my childhood dreams. There was, they had, they had stuff that they had Dharma that was, uh, uh, externally applied. <laughs> Obviously that's a oxymoron, but you know what I mean? So, so they all did the same deal as Ravana. They all did crazy tapasya. They all did their yoga. They all did their penance. They all did their ascetic practices. They all worked their asses off to get a boon from the gods. And, um, and, and Ravana asked for his, as close as he could get to immortality, as close as they'd let him get, um, Vibhishan my favorite, asked for always to take the path of righteousness. Can you imagine? He wished for that. That's what I said. Hello. That was my dog shaking, if you heard that in the background. That's one of the reasons why he's, uh, imagine, imagine if some people that we knew actually took a vow, asked for the boon of always taking the path of righteousness. I mean, can you imagine how the world would be different? Vibhishan, Vibhishan, November, everybody, vote one, Vibhishan. Anyway, so, um, so, so, you know, it came to, 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 um, Kumbhaka, Karana's turn, uh, good ideas asked for by his brothers. He's ready to ask for his, but remember I said that the gods were a little bit tetchy about this guy because he was massive. Uh, he was incredibly powerful. He was super smart. He was lazy. They didn't factor that in. He wasn't actually, he didn't give enough fucks to be dangerous to the world, but they didn't know that. Um, he could eat whatever he wanted, just put it in his face. And so they thought this could go bad. If this guy asks for something like this boon could blow up, um, Forget the fact that the guy who actually had demonic tendencies had got what he wanted. They overlooked that one. But but the big guy, talk about being judgy. The big hungry guy, um, they thought we need to we need to be careful here. Uh, and Brahma's like, man, I I need some help. This I don't want to. This doesn't happen very often that Brahma actually checks himself and <laughs> and and um, manages the extent of the boon that he gives. He's not great at that. Uh, but in this in this case, he asked his consort, who's his consort, Saraswati, um, to help out. Now, there's a various ways that's reportedly she did this. Either at the point of asking for, there's a bunch, but here's a couple. When it came time for him to ask Brahma for his boon, either uh, Saraswati sat on his tongue. <laughs> remember he's really big so that's not as weird as it sounds uh well it's still weird but you know um or she threw him like an apple a magical divine star anise flavored apple that sounds nice and he had a mouthful of it at the time either way when brahma said what what do you want dude what's up mate what can i get for you um he meant to say Indrasana, as in the throne of Indra, as in plenty, bounty, all that Indra has, that is what I want. Um, but but he mumbled his words, either because he had a goddess on his tongue, which, you know, that seems to make sense, or he had a mouthful of special apple or some other. But anyway, he garbled what it was that he meant to say, and he said, Nidrasana, as in the 
seat of sleep, which meant, of course, that straight away Brahma decided that he would take him at his word rather than at the meaning, and he granted him his boon. You will always be asleep. Boom, gone, forever asleep. What are you chewing out there? I'm trying to do a podcast. Knock it off. Yeah, fur babies, I tell you. So, um, so that's it. He's out, like gone, asleep forever, uh, unending sleep, because he was tricked by the goddess and he mumbled his words at exactly the wrong time. And Brahma, air quotes, misheard. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you meant endless sleep, not endless bounty. Um, easily confused. And and there you have it. Jess Evans, if you're listening, I think endless sleep might feel like endless bounty for you right now. Any of you other new mums? <laughs> Just give me a little bit more. So there you go. He's gone. Now, Ravana um, jumped in to defend his brother and he begged Brahma, look, this is too much. You know that's not what he meant. He's not a bad guy. He's just really big. And he sure, he eats a lot, but, but we can get him to eat more plants. And, you know, he, he's smart and he helps out and he gives good advice. And please, you know, can you help us out here? Can you mitigate this just a little? And because Brahma had a soft spot for Ravana and because Ravana had done all of these incredible feats remember the cutting off of the own head 10 times i mean that does got to show well it shows a bunch of things but brahma interpreted it to mean that um <laughs> ravana was devoted he he gave the brother the younger brother a small reprieve so rather than being asleep forever he was to be asleep for six months arise for a day go back to sleep for six months so this is how if you teach Kumbhaka Pranayama and you didn't know it, or if you teach this sort of like square breath or in for four, hold for two, out for four, any of that sort of stuff, Kumbhaka Pranayama, um, that's where it gets its name from because Ravana's brother, the Rakshasa, dude in Lanka, a demon if you want, um, mis- fucked up what he meant to ask at the very at most important moment and whammo, Endless sleep, and only because of his the devotion of his brother did he get a short reprieve. So let's talk about how you um, how you apply this. This is where I think it gets gets really interesting. This is where we can apply these myths, uh, allegory, metaphor. Uh, to to in a whole bunch of ways. So let's unpack it a little bit. So let's talk about first about how could you apply this to your own to your own good self. What could this look like in life? And I think great way to look at this just this particular component, just the story, not the things that I talked about at the top, because like I said, there's oodles of stuff in there. But just this particular portion of the story, I think. It's a great teaching for being mindful about what you say and using mindful speech and right speech and uh, conscious language and being clear in your communication. You know, I can think of times, and I'm sure we all have this, particularly when we're children, um, 
when when someone says something to you that that's not well thought through in the heat of the moment that stays with you forever. I remember being a brownie. What a surprise, Amy was a brownie. And um and I rocked it, by the way. Thank you, Lady Stradbroke Cup winner. Anyway, uh, and I remember my my brownie leader said something to me, or one of the assistants said something to me once in front of everybody else. And, like, I still it still stings. I'm fucking 43 years old. You know, those things hang around. Um, maybe, you've had, maybe you've said something like, that to somebody. I'm sure we all, I'm sure I have, I'm sure I've done it and, and I don't even know the wounds of the words that I've said in the heat of the moment when the thing that I meant to say came out sideways and had really negative impact um, for myself or for someone else or for both. You know, the, 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 or, or when we use, um, when we use language that is Used, you know, when we use negative language, when we use terms that perpetuate limiting beliefs or negative thought patterns, um, you know, I, I I see this with with when people just start working with me, they'll say things like "I really struggle with" or "I've always had trouble with" or "I'm never able to do" or "I always find it hard when I," you know, these sorts of word choices that only perpetuate that way of being rather than deciding to uh, phrase things in a way that calls in change and creates an opportunity for a different type of outcome. So what a great teaching here for us in life to be mindful at those important moments to make our meaning clear and to, um, to, to speak up for ourselves in a way that's understood and can't be misinterpreted and to actually say what we mean how often do we not do that how often do we uh how often do we say something that's different from what we mean um or or how often do we not clearly ask for what we actually want these are important uh teachings and and journaling reflection opportunities that we get from this even just this tiny little story. Then if we look at it in terms of, well, how can we apply it in business? One of the ways I love to apply this teaching that we get from um, Kumbhakana is in your marketing cycles. And I've, you know, there's, there's often chat in the Abundant Yoga Teacher Facebook group about making the transition from, um, I don't know, like let's just call it to, to extend the metaphor, Sahaja Pranayama, to Kumbhakana um, Pranayama, from natural, ongoing, no pausing marketing to actually fostering a system, creating a cycle in your business whereby the um, there is a pause. You take a goddamn break. You know, this is why I recommend to people that you transition to blocks of classes so that you have you have four blocks a year, you have four marketing periods a year. If you always do drop-ins, if you're always looking to fill your classes, if people can start anytime and come from whenever they want and have as long as they like with their class pass and la, 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 then you're always marketing. You know, it feels like freaking Kapalabhati, not, not um, <laughs> Kumbhaka Pranayama. Um, you know, like take a rest. 
have a break. I'm not saying rest for six months. Don't DM me on Instagram with some kind of wink, wink emoji saying, huh, Amy, does that mean I can stop using social media for six months? No, no. Well, sure, of course you can. You can do whatever the hell you like, but your business will tank. So don't send me that message. That's not what I mean. Don't take me out of context. I will not be taken out of context. I'm asking for Indrasana, not Nidrasana. You know, that's a, that's a fun way to think about it in business. Or what about just clear communication in business? When do you, what are your terms and conditions like? Are you actually asking for what you want? Or are you asking, or are you, or are you being bamboozled by some smart, sassy goddess giving you and throwing you an apple so you ask for the wrong thing? Hmm. Uh, and then the last place to consider this is, you know, what, how can we apply this in class? And I think this is super fun. So there's a couple of ways. Obviously, obviously we can apply it overarchingly. <laughs> is that a word? Just made it up. Saturday, do what I like. So for example, you could talk about your, um, half day retreat as a pause from life. You could talk about the class itself as a pause from the daily pattern you you could as a, you know you could um bring it in in terms of taking a pause at the start of class and taking a pause at the end of class you know my mastermind we do that we have kumbhakana um we have kumbhaka intentionally energetically before we start the coaching in the kikra mastermind we take a conscious pause so you could look at it at the bigger picture level. Of course, you can just teach the pranayama, right? You could experiment. What does doing the pranayama in asana look like? What does doing the pranayama in yin or restorative look like? What does using the pranayama as an entry point to shavasana or yoga nidra look like? Um, you know, the, I, rem- I remember doing... Um, yoga for you know I, I was in India the first time I went to India actually for a month to finish my novel and every morning I would do yoga with this dude from who'd studied at uh you know the the Shivananda Center in Trivandra and he would uh, he would come and teach me yoga and it was old school um Shivananda and you would do Shavasana between each pose, between each pose. Okay, it's fish pose. Okay, it's Shavasana. Okay, like every Navasana, Shavasana. Um, what about that? Try that out. Why not have some fun with that? How do your, how do your um, students respond to that? How do they notice the practice being different with that physical pause between your asana? Um you could even be more subtle with it in using it in class in terms of, you know, if you're looking to, maybe you're looking to do, maybe you're working up to a peak pose that's decidedly different and you're mindful of, you know, diminishing returns, you know, people fatiguing over time. So you could try something. You could, uh, like, let's say, I don't know, let's say your peak pose is Agni Stambhasana and um, you don't want to max out people's, hips for the night so that sounded wrong but you know what I mean so um you know you you build in these kind of affiliated poses in between other things so that so that you in so that you're building up the opening and the muscle memory and the awareness of the shape so that towards before you start the descent down into 
Shavasana, you have reached your peak. So maybe if you teach some kind of flow practice, you incorporate, um, I don't know, some thread the needle before you start. You incorporate Ekapada Rajakapada, some pigeon stuff to get the hips opening. You do some, I don't know, arm balances. Anyway, you get my point. Like maybe you pause between... And in, 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 in that sequence, there's stuff that's not related. Not that you would want to internally rate, rotate the femurs because we don't want to do that if you're going to a peak pose. But what you may do is do something that's um, not a rotation, that's a forward and back, you know, that's just um, extension flexion of the femurs, for example. And you're using the pause um, so that people can um, notice, you know, maybe you call it to mind, maybe you – Maybe you invite people to contemplate how they're noticing the difference in in range over the span of the of the entire class, pausing or putting in a break between when you're doing it and when you're not doing it, and and bringing it to people's attention. Anyway, these are you know there's, there's just some ideas, and this is just me chatting away to myself on a Saturday afternoon. I'm sure you, the opportunities for you are infinite. But if we come back to the premise here, my my hypothesis for the this week and next as we launch into my new training program is that the the yoga the the stories of yoga are infinitely rich. And if you've ever felt stuck for what to teach, what to talk about, what to post about, what to do your newsletter on, what your next workshop is going to be about, what your retreat theme will be, you cannot uh, you cannot stay stuck if you simply turn to the Ramayana and the Mahabharata, and in particular when you get into the detail, these these sub characters, you know, they're not the um, they're not the they're not the main people that we always go to that people have heard of that people are you know that's kind of been done I'm not saying don't do it but yeah we could all teach the splits and talk about Hanuman but how many times has that been done but what about this you know how interesting if you want to um you know if you want to slow things down in your class if you're if you're looking to create a more obvious pause then actually tell your students the, the story uh while they're pausing um, keep the focus in the room by by talking about this guy and what he's about as as you're taking shavasana between each pose. Anyway, my point is that that whether you want to actually disclose, if you like, or share the mythology overtly with your students, or whether you're just looking for some inspiration for yourself. If you came to my class and and you may not know that this. Agni Stambhasana peak pose class that I was doing where we pulsed between where we went active working external rotation and back into flexion extension and then back into external rotation and then back into flexion extension. You could take that whole vinyasa flow class with me and have zero idea that in fact I'd been inspired by a sub-character of the Ramayana. But when I'm sat at home thinking, what the hell am I going to teach tonight? I can draw inspiration from that and blend it into my teachings. So whether you want to be overt or covert about your use of yoga stories, you can't not be inspired by this stuff. And the good news is it's endless. There are so many ways. This Not only are there Gasquillian characters, but I would argue there's sort of infinite ways that you can slice and dice this stuff to apply the mythology in a way that 
lights you up, gets you feeling creative, re-inspires you. If you're feeling burnt out in any way, creative inspiration is the best way to check back in and stories are an incredibly powerful way to do that. So I hope you've enjoyed this little bonus episode. It was supposed to be short, but whoopsie, here we are at 36 minutes. Um, like I said, this is a, a guy that I quite like from the Reminder. Not one of my faves. We might talk about Vibhishan another day. Um, did I mention that we need him? Vote one Vibhishan November. Uh, you know, an interesting guy and not someone that gets talked about. However, probably someone that comes into your classes quite often if you teach any type of retention breath work. Super fun. And a reminder, of course, that this is in part uh, an opportunity for you to see what it's like to learn from me in terms of yoga and story. I like it. I like to geek out about it. And so if you're interested in doing more of this with me in a much more interactive way, make sure that you get yourself signed up for my new yoga and story six-week course starts uh, mid-October. We're going to spend two hours a week together in a workshop format where I'll tell you a story in a more concise way, <laughs> hopefully, than I have today. Um, and then we'll unpack it and actually do this work about overlaying philosophy and pulling out the threads that are applicable to our life, to our business, to our classes. You know, if this is going to be really great if you're, um, if you're a new teacher or if sequencing isn't your area of genius, like this is going to be so fun because you'll have oodles of yoga teachers who will help you with weaving that stuff in or breaking, you know, creating a sequence based on a story. Um, if you just like to geek out, if you just want to know a bit more about these texts, if you're looking to generate a workshop series and you want some inspiration for that, or you know what, if you just like hanging out with cool people, <laughs> cool yoga people who don't really want to do the type of yoga that involves taking photos of your crotch. I've seen a lot of like, this is a, this is a sidebar, but I, I've got to share. I've seen a lot of not just like, okay, this is my Mulavanda. Okay, I, I understand that that seems to be a thing that people share on the internet and call it yoga. Fine. Like using intentionally choosing what my grandmother would call unfortunate angles for their camera shots. Now there seems to be this whole new thing that's like lady junk on the Instagram. I mean, don't forward them to me if you've seen them, but there was a time back in the day where you were looking for yoga pants that didn't emphasize that point. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't want to be super explicit about it on whatever, but although why not? Like yoni power. But seriously, I'm looking for a situation with my pants that sort of smooths out some parts. I would prefer you to see the cottage cheese of my ass than, oh look, let's call it like it is, camel toe. That's what we're talking about. But that seems to be a thing on Instagram. What's going on? And like accentuated I, there was, I was doing my Instagram thing this morning and I got this one. I'm like, are you sure? Did like, did you mean to post that photo? Because if that was me, I don't want anybody to know that much information about me. <laughs> Not on a first date. Come on now. Um, and so I thought, you know, I'm just so done with looking at like, <laughs> of knowing that much about somebody that I don't know. 
Woo! Uh, so I decided I would unfollow that person. And then Instagram said, do you know you're following 20 more accounts like this? And I'm like, unfollow, unfollow, unfollow. <laughs> Anybody who's got their lady junk that clearly defined on the socials is not the sort of person I want to talk about yoga with. Unless, of course, it's accidental. We've all been there, right? Whoa, who knew? Whoopsie. That happens. Especially if you wear that, like, Lululemon thong underwear. Too skimpy for me. Just saying. Anyway, my point is, and I've got one, uh, I don't want to hang out with people like that. Hey, look at my intimate contour. I want to hang out with people who are like, hey, that's a fun story, yoga geek, J5. If that appeals to you, if they're your people, we're doing this course together. It starts in two weeks. You should come join. It's called Yoga and Story. You can check it out at amymcdonald.com.au forward slash story. Um, it's 297 Australian. I've just done a payment plan option for anybody who's like, ah, I can't. It's another thing. So you can pay it like weekly if that's better. Why the fuck not? Um, anyway, so whatever that is, forty nine fifty or something. That's there too. It's exactly the same amount ultimately, but I know for some folks, um, it's sort of easier to do it if you can think about it in terms of what is that going to mean for me a week? So you have two options in full payment plan, same amount ultimately, but whatevs. Um, you can have a Kumbaka payment plan, pay, pause, pay, pause. <laughs> it's all there on the page. It's going to be great. Got questions about it. Ask me. The page is fairly nebulous because I'm going to pick the stories as we go. Um, why, why? Because I want to make sure they're the most fun for the people who are signing up and, um, yeah, relevant. Yeah. amymcdonald.com.au forward slash story. More of what we just done now, but better for six weeks. It's going to be fun. I tell you, the people who have already signed up, like, man, it's seriously going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be sort of like... Yoga nerd dinner party, except at 7 o'clock on a Friday morning. My time zone, check yours. It's not going to be the same as mine unless you live in my time zone. Um, fun. Anyway, oh, a couple of things. I know people have asked me, I've had a bunch of people ask me, um, uh, um, can I watch the replays? What if I can't keep up live? Da, da, da. Um, so the answer to that is I'll record them for sure. And, in fact, this program has a Facebook group. Um, and all of the recordings will go into the Facebook group. I am going to, I'm declaring it now, kill the Facebook group at the end of the calendar year. Why? Because I just don't want to have a whole lot of Facebook groups in my life. So um, you can be in it until then. You can geek yourself crazy until then in that group. Uh, I think we can set it up so that you can download the replays if you want. Don't hold me to that. I shouldn't have said that. I don't know if that's possible. I'll look at it. I'll look into it. Um, but but what I'm saying to people is, um, I think Teresa messaged me on the gram earlier about this. Uh, yeah, sure. You can sign up. You can watch them later. You can watch them on the replay. It would be more fun, though, if you could join us live. It just would be. So if at all possible, it would be more fun. Not oblig obligatory, but it would be more fun. Um and what was another question? Oh, uh, Justine messaged me to say, are you going to do this early next year? No plans at this stage, Justine. But if I have as much fun as I hope to, um, I may. Hopefully I'll be freaking on an airplane going somewhere. <laughs> that time next year? Let's hope. I had that, you know how Instagram says, your memories from four years ago. 
My memory from four years ago, according to Instagram for today, was Amy at the Taj Mahal doing a headstand with a skirt. I've got to say, that is a city. Shashasana with a skirt without showing any leg is a city. Let alone your intimate lady contours. Anyway, <laughs> who knew I was going to give myself an opportunity to say that a second time? Thanks, Instagram memories. So back to Justine's appropriate and professional question. The answer to that is probably not. And if I do do it again, if we do have a whole heap of fun and I decide to do it again, um, I'm guessing it'll be a whole bunch of different stories because why not? There's oodles of them. And, um, yeah, I want to, like, go big or go home. <laughs> so if, if you're joining that, uh, check out the page, amymcdonald.com.au forward slash story. If you've got questions about it, always Instagram message me. Um, always love hearing from everybody. And thanks to everybody who sent me a celebration note about my um, podcast finally being on Spotify. Talk about dragging the chain. I've been asleep for four years, <laughs> but it's there. So uh, well done me. Took like freaking seven minutes. Honest to God. Don't you just hate it when you find out something you've been putting off for years takes seven minutes. Yoga and story, amymcdonald.com.au forward slash story. Oodles, oodles, oodles of fun. Thanks for joining me on the weekend. Jai Shri Ram. Till next week. Bye. So there you have it, folks, another edition of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. Hey, favor to ask. If you found the content useful, I would be very grateful if you could support this podcast by giving me a five-star rating. And if you've got a moment, a review would be super cool. No pressure. Of course. Like I said earlier, if you have any suggestions for podcast topics in the future, I would love to be in service. DM me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Take deep care.